louder! What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Hypodermic, the pod that sticks you deep. I'm the pod boss, TJ Bowser, and joining me as always is the dawn of disaster, Mr. Nick Benson. How are you doing tonight, TJ? Pretty good, man. We have a very special episode for you guys today. Nick, why don't you introduce him? So tonight's guest uh, is really quite special to me because we go back 35 or so years together. Uh, we've worked on a few films together. Uh, this guy was, uh, to me, was a mentor to me as well in the in the shops that I worked in and just an all-around incredible human being. His name is Jeff Farley, and you may know his work. He's done a lot of things. I worked on the blob with him, um, but he's got a resume that far exceeds mine. <laughs> It's a very impressive resume that includes, but not limited to, Shocker, Prison, Cellar Dweller, Slumber Party Massacre 2, Pet Cemetery, Scanner Cop 2, Big Bad Beetleborg, Scary Movie 2, Evil Bong, and Death Warrant. Well, let's welcome Jeff. Thank you, Jeff, for joining us tonight. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing Nick? awesome. Yeah. It's nice to have you here, brother. Nick and TJ, it's it's nice to be the, be here, and uh, um, it's great actually seeing you, Nick. It's uh, It's been a very, very long time, and, and uh, it's a nice to uh, to have this chance to uh, chat so. yeah definitely yeah definitely so welcome to the podcast this as you know this is tj and um we have we actually have an interesting episode tonight because we even have questions that uh i i usually go in in depth a little bit with your background which we'll do we'll get to yes. that um and uh there are also some questions that TJ's brought to the table that uh, some folks that listen yep. uh, want to ask you personally, Jeff. So um, let's let's start with talking about your background. I I you know that you and I go back quite a ways, but I want to know like I want I want you to tell my, me as well as our listeners like what got you what got you there what got you to be want to be an effects guy. Oh, it all started with, uh, I think my brother bought a, an Aurora Frankenstein model kit and uh, got sometime in the 1960s. And uh, and I was fascinated with it. I thought it was really cool. And so I had to have one myself. And eventually I got, boy, I think my first one was the Godzilla. Oh, cool. In, the, in that real bright fuchsia color. Mm -hmm. um, the long box. And it was, it was really neat having that. And uh, um and by that time, I mean, I think I'd seen, well, I'd seen like King Kong and Seventh Voyage of Sinbad on TV and, and I'd caught Godzilla also. And, and, uh, and then I, uh, uh, I came across uh, a film called Equinox and that sort of really got me interested in stuff. And it turns out that God, it was all shot around the area where I lived and, and, uh, um, yeah. I got to, I got to know the guys who made it and, and, uh, got to know them through, uh, my association with Forey Ackerman. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, yeah, so, I mean, really kind of like it started out that way. And it turns out my, I lived in an area in Glendale where just my, all my neighbors were actors and directors and editors. And so, yeah, we, we had a similar yeah. childhood, didn't we? Like, like both of us grew up in LA. Yeah. So yeah. we were around it. My mom worked at Universal. My stepfather was an editor. So, yeah, you know, both of us kind of had a very similar upbringing. And I know, sure. I, I know, I think that we've talked about this even when we were working together that we were both monster kids and we were both really into like famous monsters of film land and things like that. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I loved, uh, I remember getting my first issue was, uh, was one of the fear books. I think the reptile was on the cover, and and then soon after, my mom uh, uh, started uh, subscribing for me, and right so like you know, so yeah, so I'd like get home, and there'd be times I'd you know come home, and I'd be like you know an issue waiting for me, you know, and and uh, it was great, went on for years, and and like I said, I found out that uh, Forey Ackerman lived near me, and and uh, so I spent about three years, like uh, almost every Saturday for three years, going down there and spending time at his place. And and uh, uh, I mean, boy, meeting what, a, what an amazing yeah. place to spend time. I don't I don't know oh, how yeah. much our listeners know about Forrest Ackerman's house, but my God, it was like Disneyland for monster makers. 
Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, all those all those props, you know, the, all the, all those uh, memories and memorabilia was uh, it's just really cool. I mean, to be a kid and to be around that stuff was just, I mean, just, I mean, I mean, God, I mean, I I, I, I never even thought how lucky I was as a kid, and I look back and I, I think, wow, that was that was pretty uh, pretty amazing to actually have that opportunity. Absolutely, yeah, super cool, awesome. So, so what was your as you grew older? What was your first experience with uh, uh, like making something or learning how to make make these things. Did you start by drawing and painting, or did you? Oh, oh, sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. Drawing was like, I mean, I mean, as a kid, doing doing crude dinosaurs and you know, and and uh, jamming like everything into one as you know into one page as much as possible, so that you know had had to have like every creature in you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh um and and then eventually i mean i got into sculpting and mm-hmm. and uh that took a while i mean uh, n- didn't really have too many tools to work with and um but eventually over time you know, I started gravitating towards, you know, towards uh, makeup effects. And I, I thought about doing doing a stop motion first. I mean, uh, Forey Ackerman had, had introduced me to Ray Harryhausen. Oh, nice. And uh, I thought that that would be a good career to be in. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I had eventually ended up going into doing, uh, you know, makeup effects stuff because that seemed more direct and more immediate. You, you know, you, you got to see your work more immediately and yeah. um as opposed to having to to be you know have the patience of a saint and <laughs> and uh um i mean you just have to uh you might you have to have a different mindset i mean i friends who are stop motion animators and and i'm just amazed by you know yeah, those guys <laughs> are incredible artists yeah really yeah are. exactly yeah i mean I, I i built a few uh i built a few stop motion models and i have them sitting around and and i think about like one day maybe pushing them around and i think well <laughs> they'll probably end up looking something like the the lost continent or something like that as opposed right. to you know mighty joe young so <laughs> um but but yeah that's that's sort of like how i started getting into it just by emulating what i was seeing and uh uh, you know, being as creative as I could be, um, you know, as a kid, you sort of absorb everything. And and so, I mean, I was reading everything I could and, and seeing every movie that I could. And um, so, yeah, so those are sorts, the sorts of things that, you know, that, that I was surrounded with when I was a kid. Um, right. Uh, as, a, as a teenager, yeah, as a teenager holding um, or getting a chance to uh, to hold a uh, uh, one of the Star Wars Oscars was a pretty Ooh. profound experience, you know. <laughs> well, that'd um, change anybody's life, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was like pretty wild. Um, and uh, I, um, I just started meeting people, and I just, you know, started showing off stuff. I mean, it, like you know, like any other kid, you just start wanting to show off things, and you just want right. to have maybe you know get the opportunity to be involved. Um, right. So that's sort of where I where I started at. And I met some people, and and I met some guys who worked on Galaxy of Terror, and oh, wow. and uh, it was even actually, I mean, I'm sorry, even sooner than that. I mean, actually, I was meeting Ray Harryhausen. I met a guy who had been working at Berman Industries, and this was like the end of the '70s. And I ended up uh, within a couple of weeks working on Kingdom of the Spiders. Oh wow! And which which provided I provided William Shatner with a with that story when we ended up working together a few years ago and he seemed pretty pleased with that so um but uh it we you know really kind of um you know i like any other kid i mean if you're fascinated with this stuff you you just want to express yourself and and some people do it you know uh through acting and and you know there's other there's other venues that you can express yourself through but but some people you know get into this sort of crazy end of the business and they either sort of by design do it or they stumble into to it or yep. um, with varying degrees of success and and uh, I think I'm one of those people that sort of des- I, by, I, by design I stumbled into it you know and and uh, um, but it's uh, you know it's it's been pretty cool I mean I can't I can't uh, I can't think of something else I'd rather be doing could have could have taken over my dad's sheet metal business and <laughs> yeah 
I'm sure that would have provided me with a lot of entertainment. So, well, what was cool for, you know, for me was, and I don't know if you felt the same when you got into it, but like, I didn't think I was anywhere near good enough to do this stuff. So I was doing it with a band at yeah. first, and this was prior to working with Steve. And, and, uh, you know, I guess Steve saw something in me that, uh, he felt that I should be working with him. So <laughs> that's where I started. And, um, I was, you know, like guys like you took me under their wing and, and sure. taught me everything I needed to know. That, you know, that, so. that, well, that's funny. I mean, I, I kind of felt that you were already just really well experienced anyway. So I thought <laughs> that was as much of a schlub, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, we we're both sort of on an even playing field yeah, at that yeah. point. And, and I was just happy to be, you know, to be working with all you guys. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a cool it was, experience. You it know? was pretty cool to like, yeah. you know, have somebody like Steve say, Hey, why don't you come make rubber monsters? Oh, and, <laughs> and all I could think in my mind and get paid yeah. for that but you, it's like you, you had well, see see you you and you had the experience with steve it's generally my experience with steve is like either he's trying to hawk photos to me for 20 bucks a shot like say hey, you want an autograph photo jeff and then like two months later i see him and he goes who are you it's like steve's uh, he's a funny guy he's really i mean he's so crazy creative that I can only imagine, you know, the way he is because he's, he's just like, he's such, such a creative mind. Um, yeah. Try living and, with him. Uh, <laughs> <how can> I, <laughs> I can't, you know, I guess tough enough living with myself. I did, <laughs> and I've done that all my life. Um, but it really, you know, but I mean, I, I was with, you know, guys like John Beekler and yeah. Um, what a, what an and, incredible, uh, if I could stop you for a minute, just like what an incredible person, uh, John was. Yeah, you know, I I have to say I never got the opportunity to work with John, mm-hmm. but man, what a great human being! And he just loved to teach people. Yeah, he was so cool that way. I mean, he God, he was like a big kid in a lot of yeah. ways, yeah. and he just he loved to um, he just loved to tell the funniest stories. I mean, um, I can't recount any of them on here because they get a little, <laughs> <you know? laughs> but it's but he's really like just i mean what an experience that was and and to be you know, see to be taken under a wing you know that's that's what john did for me and yeah. i mean i had already you were, worked for, you were at you know, mmi for quite a few quite a few projects right oh yeah i mean it's like i had, by that point i'd already worked at uh well, i'd worked with james cummins and and uh i'd done actually by that point i'd already done uh i did uh stuff for danny devito's first directing job oh. i think called the ratings game for showtime and i I did some props for that. And then I ended up, I went over, I, James Cummins had me work with on a Twilight Zone episode with them in like around 86. And then by the end of that year, I was over at Makeup Effects Lab. And then I mm-hmm. went to Lance Anderson's after that. And that's, then I went over to, to MMI. Um, and I was there, boy, for it's like a year and a half or something. It was like from 80, right. it was like 80. Well, actually it was even, not even, not even that because we, I was like sometime in early 87 and by the end of that year i was in italy all oh. right and we were there till the beginning, sort of like February of 88. And then we flew back and found out that most of us hadn't had no jobs anymore, that Empire had folded. And, and John was already in the middle of uh, his Friday the 13th oh. movie. And, and so he had, had his crew and, and, and unfortunately he couldn't bring me on that. So I ended up gravitating over to um, the blob <clears throat> shop. Right. So that's uh. one of the places that, that Nick and I, you know, that's what you guys and, okay that makes yeah. sense yeah, yeah and so. he, he was in and out of Berman's too I keep I forgetting that thinking. Empire becomes full moon at, certain, at one point <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I yeah, think that, Jeff, you were over at Berman's too when I was working on Society weren't you uh, I could be coming through Berman's yeah. and, and but I'd never actually been working over there because because they had their you know their their they were you know had their nice little operation but right. what a savior <laughs> Sandy was for coming up with that business oh my god and what a great lady but I remember being over there um, when, yeah, because uh, was it John Caglione and Doug Drexler had yep. that little space in the back, back yep. first, and uh, and then George screaming that George took it over yep. for Society. Well, actually, went, when we were or, working on, on Society, Caglione and them, like we were doing Society, and they were doing uh, Dick Tracy. Oh, oh so they were still time. doing. Yeah. Oh, so they're doing Dick Tracy. Oh my God! At the same yeah, time, we were we were really crammed in there. 
Oh my God. It was a tiny space too. It wasn't that, that big. It was like, no. you know, it was really nicely set up though. I have to admit it was really like, you know, those guys really knew how to organize a space and that's sort of an art in itself. Oh, um, no kidding. We haven't got to the timeline of the nineties yet with you yet, Jeff, but if we could skip no. ahead real quick, uh, something we're talking about influences, uh, uh a show that you worked on that is hugely influential to me is, uh, Beetleborgs. Can you tell us oh, what, man. what you did to, uh, what you contributed to that show? I, uh, I got uh, I got a phone call. Uh, a friend of mine, a uh, guy, guy named named Robert Miller called me and he said that uh, they were looking for something for an episode this little this plant character little oh. talking plant and uh, okay they they had uh, they had like no money at all I know that they had gotten <laughs> bids from a bunch of places I mean it sounds like I heard uh, <laughs> Well, it's just, I mean, yeah, I heard, uh, I heard, uh, I, I like been given like uh, Steve Johnson's bid. I, I told him he like bids, bid like 15,000 on or something like that. It was just a pretty reasonable bid for something like that. And <laughs> something like, they, they want to spend $1,500. And I went, I went, oh, and I went, you know something, this is probably going to like kill me. But I said, sure, why not? Sure, I'll do it. I said, I've got a bunch of like supplies left over. So luckily I didn't really have to buy anything. So it was like, wow. but, but I had to make these, these little plant puppets and I had to make three of them. And, and, uh, and it was good that one of them, one of them had to look dead because I think my first foam run came out like really bad and like, all collapsed. So it was like, well, there's, there's, perfect. The, here's the dot, here's the dying one. So that's perfect. Yeah. That one's out of the way. So, but, but luckily it, it, it all sort of worked out and they, I don't know. It was really weird though. They, I, I handed the stuff over and then they kind of went, I think they kind of went, well, well, we have to pay you. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, there's the, you know, here, well, here's your check. Here's the door. Yeah. And, and that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it for me, but they used the stuff and it's, I mean, it's in the episode and, and, uh, um, it was cool. I mean, I'm glad that I did it, and, and to be involved at least in that was was a cool experience. I mean, I, they're a totally business like venture, and I can understand that. And and, uh, yeah. and it wasn't really part of their family, anyways. I was sort of just kind of yeah. I was hoping it would lead to some other stuff, but it never really did. But eh, you know. Speaking of your puppets, that's uh, how life goes. I know for a fact that you worked on the Demolition Man dummies, and did you see the article recently where one of them popped up in Australia and like a pawn shop somebody came across one of like the oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well it, it was a it was a stallone it was a stallone dummy and and i was uh gino acevedo actually figured it out it was actually one of the dummies that we made for planet hollywood okay we made we made maybe know, maybe a dozen or so stallone bodies maybe maybe it was that <laughs> many. I can't remember the exact guy. but we made a bunch of stallone dummies for uh for planet hollywood after demolition <laughs> they're terrifying <laughs> and yeah it was like it was at first i mean i kind of went because here's what happened when when we when we shot that stuff i mean it was it was a cool situation because there was like really nothing i i had to do i just went to warner brothers you know went to the stage uh stage 16 and and i just sit around pretty much and eat craft service and they say how's you know right, we're gonna shoot the bodies how they look and they're, they're encased in these big like acrylic hockey pucks yeah i mean and they're completely inside and it's like you can't even get to these things they've, they've like glued these things together so there's like really, i mean i suppose they had monofilament sort of holding this so i suppose if a monofilament had broken then maybe yeah that would be something to, to fix but nothing ever did and and i I'd look at it and i go yeah it looks great thumbs up and, and uh you know, and, and that's pretty much it so a lot of my i mean at first yuri everson and i were there and then yuri had to go get married so they just sort of left me there on my own and I, I one thing i remember is they had like they had a really great craft service set up <laughs> really top of the line stuff and then with the taco bell and their their product placement tie-in taco bell trucked in food twice a day hell yeah an entire second an entire second <laughs> craft service table full wow. of, yeah like taco bell like, that's right because like, there's it's all through that movie event. yeah yeah it's taco bell's <laughs> the only restaurant left so it's like yeah so it, it would have been mcdonald's had mcdonald's <laughs> yeah played their cards right and not said no sorry you know 
it could have been them, but no, they, you know, so it turned out to be Taco Bell. And <laughs> That's gnarly. I, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, it's, uh, but that was, uh, that was a, that was a fun thing. That's back when I was eating Taco Bell. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so it was really, but I mean, like I said, there was a great choice, you know, like I can have lobster or a taco support Taco Bell, <laughs> you, know, you know, so, um, but, but yeah, it was an interesting situation because I mean, uh, you know, shooting, shooting that stuff was, and then shooting the Stallone body. Um, and it had, a, I mean, it had everything. It was totally anatomically correct. And, and when we wrapped that dummy disappeared, I was like kind of looking all over the place for it because it was on the stage and then we wrap and then it's like, it's suddenly gone. And I'm like, I eventually I find it around one of the back of one of the flats and it's appendage had been cut off. So, so yeah, so it was really kind of a weird, you know, situation. I don't know what to say about it. I was like, yeah, sorry guys. You know, it's like, I was, I mean, I, you know, I was too busy. Like I was too busy being relieved that we just like wrapped. Like, I think it was like when I came on, I think we were, it was already, I mean, we were, we were like a month or a month and a half over schedule. I mean, I came when I came on, it was already over schedule, but it was fun. I mean, it was a really great shoot. And then Marco, the director was something really cool. I mean, I really liked that guy a lot. And, uh, and I liked working with everybody. We had a really cool experience on that one. And, and even Stallone, I mean, St Wesley Snipes wasn't, you know, it was pretty cool. And I mean, Stallone, when he wasn't holding everybody up was, you know, <laughs> wasn't so bad. You know, it was when he wasn't parading another model through the through the set. Yeah. <laughs> it was like an everyday ex event. Yeah. So yeah. So it was. So there were no posters around that said "Sorry about your dummy dick slide." <laughs> no, I mean, that's how I. That's how, that's how I knew it. It couldn't have been one of the. One, well, actually, I don't think the ones that we made for Plan Hollywood had that on it because they, it would have, that would have been like that would have been very much. They hung about, them from so. their ceilings, so you could just yeah, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, all you see is his his muscular behind. So, um, but um, but yeah, it was you know, but it was a cool experience. I mean, I, I enjoyed working on that, and it was a uh, was quite an experience making all of those dummies um, and, and being involved in it because there were so many people on the crew that you know yeah. to get all of that work done. Um, but I got called in early on it and pretty much worked all the way through to the end. I, I, I thought it was done when they called me up and said, "Hey, we we need you to go over to Warner Brothers and you know hang out and eat this amazing food and get paid a decent rate and <laughs> and uh, you know and uh, and." Get in trouble, get in trouble for walking through the through, through the wrong gate. You know, <laughs> it's like, hey guys, I'm just just trying to get there I'm like, before my call time. That's all. You know. Yeah. So yeah, hey, I'm working here, guys. See, it's like a little <laughs> pass, and so I'll be able to show them that. Uh, so. <laughs> so what's uh, what's the next on the agenda? My uh, my uh, this is your lifetime line. <laughs> Nick, um, well, yeah, go. You know what? Yeah, talk. You know, let's uh, talk about shoppers. All right. Well, when we were working on Shocker over at Lance Anderson's place, um, I mean, we did all kinds of crazy stuff for it. I mean, everything we built a we built a, a dummy that was um, literally made out of flash paper and uh, and a big balloon for the body that would like vacuum pressure would suck down and disappear and um i mean all kinds of crazy stuff like that i made a pair of uh really they look like a pair of sausages looking that uh, mitch Pelleggi was wearing a pair of sausages on his finger like his like his fingernails like these little like uh like uh, brass terminals pop out from under his fingernails and he sticks them in the light socket and right says something crazy says something crazy because you know he he you know he had all some that good one liners in that that's for sure yeah it was fun it really was fun and I, I think they really sh shot themselves in the foot by trying to make it too much of a franchise first before just sure. making a fun film and seeing if they could get something out of it some extra mileage out of it because they killed <laughs> it like right away but you know it's a fun film i mean it oh, really yeah. sort of lives up to its uh era and you worked um, on both like uh, said, prison films shocker and prison <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you know, there were, you know, the, that was sort of the period where, where, where like haunted, like, or horror films based around prisons or yeah. ghostly prisoners or whatever, you know, were sort of becoming like in vogue. But women in prison was, yeah, that, that was really like, that was a lucky one to be working on because I had just finished uh, over at Lance, Lance's on Serpent in the Rainbow and then oh, went yeah. over to, uh, went over to uh, John Beekler's and we were working on the garbage pail kids movie at the same time and uh that that's what that's what we were were working on but prison was just going on at the same time so i managed to get in into that pretty heavy and and do quite a bit of work on it uh that was right before i ended up like like taking or doing um deadly weapon which was started out as laser blast 2 um and uh that one we had uh michael minor who co-wrote robocop on as a director on it and an interesting cast for that film and but uh essentially it was the same story as laser blast except when they they found out that when you take out the stop motion aliens the movie falls flat on its face (laughs) and doesn't really have much else to go for it so so let's kind of uh transition into music a little bit so i know that you worked on the ghoulies tie-in music video with wasp screaming to you like it uh can you talk about that sure um yeah uh, it started by uh going and doing the uh the album uh box or the album art for uh for live in the raw uh album actually even the the uh the poster and box art for ghoulies too uh a guy named francois dagenet and i were tasked by uh by john beekler to go down to some photographer's studio and set the ghoulies up in a toilet and and uh you know for him to uh, take these photos and and uh, you know and pick the best the best of the ghoulies in a toilet um for the uh, uh for the world to see mm-hmm. but but the other thing was the uh was the uh, live in the raw album and and it, it, the uh, we had no idea really what was going on when we saw these these guys walk in and these uh business suits and track outfits and looking real dapper and and uh sprightly and they uh um excuse themselves for a minute and they they come out uh suddenly in their leathers and and uh and uh cro- blades. <laughs> yeah the yeah the crotch the crotch buzzsaw um, yeah. <laughs> um uh and they were suddenly wasp and they were like you know the you know the the uh the the hellions of uh of horror or whatever they, <laughs> they are but but still it was fun we shot the uh we shot you know all that stuff um that day and then just a couple of weeks later uh we were told that we were going to shoot the uh the music video tie-in for ghoulies 2 which was again with wasp mm-hmm. and so i knew what to expect um um and uh it was a fun day i mean we we shot like a 21 hour stint and we um we had a little time to prep for it but it was mostly just uh, fixing up the uh, the ghoulie puppets that we had lying around and and uh <laughs> And then just like on the fly, like, you know, we would like everyone would sit, sit around, we powwow ideas. Um, okay, we want to do this or, you know, like let's shoot a ghoulie into a, into a speaker, you know, so, uh, <laughs> you know, little things like that. So, you know, um, and, uh, they, uh, gave me the plum job of, of uh of uh being the fish ghoulie so yeah. so that was my uh, so it was my main my main job was was puppeteering that and it was a lot of fun you know i got to be ghoulie for a day and and live my uh my dreams and and nothing nothing has ever lived up to that now so <laughs> how many people get to say they were a ghoulie for a day <laughs> exactly some people some people even more you know got to be ghoulies for longer and you know but, uh, yeah. but as long as you're a ghoulie for a day that gets you in the club so <laughs> and for more ghoulie stories check out the ghoulies on flash podcast available exclusively at projectlouder.net nice little plug <laughs> there you go <laughs> so uh nick would you like me to get into uh some fan questions yeah let's let's um I, I mean we got pretty we got him into the 90s and stuff he's done so much more and like now he's he's still doing effects stuff but he's also such an accomplished painter like some of his stuff now is yeah absolutely very paintings. good paintings yes. and uh 
you know, let's let's go ahead and hit him with some of that, and that's, we'll get into fine. some of his more current work. The first question is from Brody Kane, host of Lights, Camera, Exploitation. Can you explain exactly what a lab technician does, and what did you contribute to Pet Cemetery? Well, a lab technician basically is is sort of grunt work. It's like yeah. not really grunt work. No, actually, it's a very creative position in a lot of ways, but you do all kinds of stuff. I mean, you're making molds, you're casting pieces, you're seaming pieces, you're sometimes you're getting to do even more of the fun things like sculpting and painting and finishing mm-hmm. up pieces. And But really, a lab tech just entails almost everything. You're essentially the... Uh, uh, it's a it's a very fancy way of saying that you are the jack of all trades and master of none, but yeah. but still you're really yeah you you have to do a lot and and so it really because you never do know what you'll be doing so it sort of means that you better be on your toes and and know your p's and q's yeah absolutely um, and uh, in pet cemetery um, again that was uh, I mean really working with Lance Anderson I I wasn't on the entire show I had something else come up and I can't remember what it was but um, for the time that I was on I uh, did a lot of the life casting work Mm. on the actor who played Zelda Uh. and I remembered doing a body cast of Denise Crosby, um, which was a lot of fun. She is a very fun <laughs> lady, and we had a really great conversation. Um, uh, and uh, the day that Fred Gwynn's head cast showed up, because that was done... <laughs> That was done in New York by uh, John Caglione and Doug Drexler. He, um, Fred was out there and didn't want to have to come all the way to L.A. to do a live cast so or do a, a head cast. So they did it out there and shipped it out. And it was great. And it reminded me of the day of meeting um, uh, Fred Gwynn in in his monster makeup when uh, when I was uh, a teen or just like graduated high school uh, and uh, be on the Universal backlot with my friend. And uh, getting taken over to a stage and meeting Fred Gwynn, Yvonne DiCarlo, and Al Lewis all in their monsters get up. <laughs> Too cool. So yeah, so but it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun, and and uh, uh, I remember working on the cat, uh, the cat that gets peeled off the uh, the lawn. Yeah, I remember build, building the the framework for that, the skeleton for that, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, probably in a few other things that are just like you know so many years ago. But it was you know again it was that lab tech work yeah you know did you get to pretty much everything did you get to work with mary lambert or stephen king at all directly not at all i didn't get to go to uh uh to maine with that that was uh dave dave anderson lance's son and uh john blake they uh they they both went out and then i then i think lance lance was involved in the stuff that was shot here in la but by that time i was already somewhere else and so i never got to you know it was sort of that uh, west craven thing when i people find out i worked on films like serpent of the rainbow and shocker and stuff they asked yeah. me like what west craven was like and I like I couldn't tell you I never met him. You know, <laughs> I and Jack I did two movies with Jack Nicholson and never met the man. You know, so yeah. <laughs> it's part and parcel of being in the business. You're associated it with is, people but, in some way, but you're never. Sometimes you never even are in the same room. Yeah, with yeah, them. Sometimes you're not. You don't cross paths yeah. with them at all. Yeah. But you're lucky if you have a if you even have a credit on the film. You know, yeah, yeah. so yeah. Back then we had uh, I had a question like that. I think it was a few months back. We were talking about that. Mick Strawn and I were talking about that and. Back in those days, like we were still shooting on celluloid, so credits cost money to put on the film, and they didn't want to give those out like yeah, like can now. You know, it wasn't that easy to get a credit. If you got a credit, you were oh like, yeah, oh yeah. Tell me about it. How do you think I felt when I found out my first screen credit was on the Garbage Pail Kids movie? <laughs> After all, I've been working in the business already for years, and yeah, <laughs> and next thing you know, it's like the very first time my my name appears on on uh, the screen. It's the Garbage Pail Kids movie. <laughs> yeah, that was. That was, you know, so my claim to fame, and I'd already worked on Serpent of the Rainbow by by that point, and that didn't uh, come out for a few months after that, and even prison. So, uh, so uh, you know, there goes the high prestige films, and (laughs) and the schlock is right at the beginning. So, so the ever changing uh, business. Here's a question from Cameron Lee of the Stronger Than Before podcast and the Big Bad Beetle Bros. Having worked in the special effects specifically prosthetics for the better 
latter part of three decades. Are there any particular advances in the industry or technology that have changed your process for the better? Likewise, is there a specific change that you find to be worse? Well, now um, I'm actually I'm actually now four years shy of 50 years in this industry. Ooh. So I'm sort of like, so I'm sort of like, I don't know how I got this far and still retain such a youthful <laughs> appearance. But, um, but it, uh, you know, there's, yeah, there have been quite a few advances, um, you know, cause we, we saw a lot of cool ones with, uh, with silicone come in Absolutely. Uh, when we were working on death becomes her, that was the first major use of silicone in the industry. So I got to be a part of, of that technology sort of at the beginning of it and learn some of its ins and outs early on. And then it's, you know, and now it's the, the technology has sort of even been usurped with, with, with higher grade materials, you know, more mm -hmm. medical grade silicones like platinum cure and things like that, which, um, now silicone prosthetics. I mean, those boggle my mind in a lot of ways because I'm, you know, I, I never really get a chance to do much of that stuff. So <clears> it's sort of like, you know, so it's pretty amazing. Although I still love a good foam piece. Um, <laughs> any day. But uh, I, I think the uh, Prozade transfers also have been a really amazing advance. Oh, you yeah, know, self-stick yeah, self prosthetics that, you know, you barely have to do anything to and the edges are beautiful. And, the edges are great. Yeah, and they just, they look so, they're so close to skin and and again, they're, you put them on and you practically don't have to do anything to them and so you get to spend a lot more time drinking coffee, you know. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, you know, if there's been anything that's sort of been detrimental, I think it's just, I don't know, I think the fact that technology has sort of usurped, I think, creativity in a lot of ways, um, because everyone is, for some reason, it, I don't know how many years we've had this stuff already, but everybody still seems to be fascinated with, with it. It's it, like it's magic, and it's not, and, and we have a, um, I don't know, I think we still have a duty to tell a good story first, rather than worry about what camera we're shooting something on and, yeah. and oh, yeah. you know um and i'd like to see the technology being used the way it used to be used you know when it was filmed there none of that's changed at all um but everything i don't know so much of it looks these days flat it doesn't really have it, it's everything has this amazing amount of scope yet some it all looks like it would look just as at home on a on a tv screen mm -hmm. um um and it, you know and it used to be special when you'd see something like that and yeah. now it's like every film so it's like it's just it's it's kind of like it doesn't really have the, the same impact anymore so that's you know that's i think the technology has just sort of been i think we've we've outgrown it in some ways mm. And I mean, I'm hoping that um, films like I've seen a little bit of the primevals and I think it's going to be that's going to be pretty cool. I think that's a good use of, of how technology has changed um, and where something was going to be done one way with like optical effects is now, mm -hmm. you know, using digital composites and stuff like that, which which is going to help give the film even more scope. So so hopefully that's going to be, you know, something something for the positive. So um, but it's always it's always is a double-edged sword. Absolutely. So, final question from Steve Vasquez of the Somewhat Supernatural podcast and the Gornmore podcast. What effects specifically did you create for the taking of Deborah Logan, and what was the inspiration for creating that nightmare-inducing bitch? Well, <laughs> that was... Uh... That was a Vincent Guastini job. I got called in, um, probably just couldn't, probably didn't have anybody else to go in. And I got a phone call one afternoon. It was like, Hey, can you come in and, you know, and start working? And it was like, <laughs> I think I got there at four, four in the afternoon. I didn't leave till two in the morning. Oh, and boy. But, you know, that was sort of the start of it. But it was a lot of fun. Um, it was like a really cool experience being there at that time because um, there's a lot of energy going on. I think the first thing I did is I molded this this emaciated baby. <laughs> Um, uh, and, and then I, I remember working on things like the big, the woman the, with the stretchy mouth. Yes. I sculpted, yeah. I sculpted some, I sculpted, well, Bill Basso sculpted a lot of that stuff and Greg Smith did also. And I sculpted a few things for it. Um, and Josh Wazilink, he did some sculpting for other parts of it also. And it's sort of, you know, um, Bill and Greg were like the main sculptors on it. Um, and I, 
I remember doing this like weird prosthetic that incorporated using it was like a it was like a engine jack or something like that from from Harbor <laughs> Freight. It was like to use it to to uh basically for the little girl to go in so that, yeah. that we could lay the woman at a certain angle where she'd have this big prosthetic on her and then the little girl could slide in. <laughs> it's really dangerous too. I mean, I think back on that, oh my God, doing the tests and thinking, oh my God, thank God nobody got, got hurt or killed doing that. But It's but the money it really, shot in that film. It's Yeah, you know, I, I'm still wondering. I've never seen the film actually. <laughs> I hate to admit it. I just don't see half of the stuff. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, what, I mean, when there's so many cool i mean i i mean i watch mostly spaghetti westerns and and hey you know and, you, and old older you know godzilla films and ray harry Housen movies and yeah. stuff so but i uh um i mean i don't i mean it's hard to tell i mean i because I, I heard some of the stuff was enhanced with cg or maybe some of the stuff was all cg or i don't know i mean honestly i mean from what i understand it was pretty impressive and even if part of the stuff that we used or built you know got used i mean it's a pretty good testament because uh it was some really weird and creative work and and i remember you know, uh, being kind of just thrown into the middle of it and kind of just feeling my way through at the beginning until I felt comfortable working there. And, um, uh, but it was, a, it was a good experience and, and I'm glad that to have worked on something that's so memorable. Um, and, uh, I remember, uh, you know, just, just some really, really late nights there and, and a lot of, a lot of people laughing because I think we were all kind of like so tired that that's the only way we could get <laughs> yeah. through the evening. So <laughs> yeah, a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of, a uh, lot of, uh, cr you know, <laughs> craziness, but it was fun. Um, and, and we got to do some neat, neat things for it. Maybe, maybe one of these days I'll, I'll watch the film. I think I can got it in streaming or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Let me check it out. Yeah. So uh, now you do some painting. Let's talk about some of those pieces. Sure, sure. I uh, I worked with chemicals for so long. I decided to <laughs> go to acrylics and. <laughs> I got, you know, and be honest with you, I kind of never thought I'm really a good makeup artist. I mean, I kind of look at my work now and I kind of go, yeah, that's like just, you know, watch those horrible mummies in, in Retro Puppet Master. And I think, oh my God, how uninspired, you know? And, and, uh, um, but I don't know. I kind of like, I kind of like creating, uh, dimension through color. Um, I'm trying to, trying to evoke some memory of, of things, you know, like the images when I was a kid, you know, reading yeah. famous yeah. monsters and, yeah. In in all those old cool like horror books, uh, like a pictorial history of horror movies, and uh, that, that's exactly where your work yeah. takes me is right back yeah. to reading famous monsters and looking at that that art. It oh, those covers, yeah, those the Basil yeah. Gogos covers. I mean, and even to an extent, you know, the, the Ken Kelly pieces, and yeah, and I got to finally meet those guys. Um, and uh, I only met Ken once, but I got to spend a few times with, with Basil Gogos and, and show him some of the work. And he was really encouraging. And it was, it was nice to get that sort of, um, you know, that, um, inspiration from him. Uh, because I mean, I, I look at it, it's like, I'm like, wow, I'm like a 60 year old guy now. And it's like, I got to do something <laughs> with my life. I can't, like, I, I can't make rubber monsters forever. So I got to do something. <laughs> and I just don't think that, um, I don't know. I don't know if Walmart greeter doesn't really seem that's not appealing good. right yeah it just doesn't <laughs> look like it's good in my future yeah i mean what what happens when somebody comes up who you worked with <laughs> <laughs> hi how you doing you know hey it's uh, good to see you again or it's like welcome to walmart get get, <laughs> get out of my face you know? <laughs> Um, but, um, but all of your stuff is for sale right now and you sell it through your it, Facebook. It looks like I do. I sell it through my Facebook. I have a, I have a website also, Jeff Farley, fine art. Um, and, uh, but I mean, it's like, I'm a horrible salesman. <laughs> <laughs> like, you are you, yeah. you you really undersell yeah. yourself these pieces I, are incredible though incredible they are I, incredible pieces oh i appreciate hearing that because i mean i look at other people's work and i i think that's you know amazing and and uh and i think that's i mean most artists feel that way i'm, yeah, I'm I, actually I, my I, way there. I, I know i know the stuff i'm doing is good but it's sort of like i always feel like i get done and as a matter of fact, I'll post something and then I like 
10 minutes later, I'm working on it again and I'm yeah. like, okay, adding to it. And I, I'll say and the same I, thing yeah. with my own work. I, I, yeah. we are our own worst critics. Oh, sure. Well, it's always about to make oh. it, you know, trying to make it better and, and, uh, yeah. and, do, and do something, you know, interesting and special, especially, like I said, I, I spent a lot of time around these chemicals and it's nice to do something that's non toxic, really. And, mm-hmm. and also gives you a chance to really kind of think and I could just have the TV running in the background and, you know, <laughs> whatever yeah. I want. Well, I'm, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, you know, uh, I'll throw a movie on or something and, and, uh, get some inspiration from there. And yeah, it helps um, you zone in a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it sure does. I have a question. The piece that you posted with the King Kong piece, is that a Salise stack? Mm-hmm. The, like- no, that is, that is, um, I think that's the, uh, li- the, the, um, primeval's lizard man. Ah, okay. That is, yeah, that is, that is, yeah, that's one of the Dave Allen guys. I mean, I was over, I was over in Romania on that shoot and, uh, 1994, I mean, and, and sort of, I mean, when I met Dave, he had just started with Charlie band on it. So I got to sort of see, see it and be there. And now I did a little, I did some you know, trivia, sort of like my, um, my Equinox, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. stop motion models that I'm working on. They're sort of tributes of Dave Allen's stuff because Dave was one of the earliest guys to really encourage me and, and, uh, you know, really take the time to to talk to me and and uh that meant a, meant a lot your uh, really cool. mini masks are pretty neat looking too uh oh dude they you <laughs> i gotta tell you just personally <laughs> like he he got very turned off by them but i gotta tell you those things even in person are so much more impressive yeah. to look at in person i, I finally sold it online. well i finally sold a set <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, so I'm a little better. <laughs> but it was like, I, I finally, yeah, it was funny too, because I had two sets sitting here and it's funny. I threw one, one of them up. I don't have a basis for them. I, and somebody immediately like went, I want one. And, and they took yeah. it. And so great. I've got one sold and I've got one more. I'm thinking, great. I make some extra money this, this way. And, uh, and also those are great. This and that, hey, you know, people like kind of contact you and get interested in it. And next thing you know, yeah. the, it was sort of the usual, like, you know, but I got one set sold. So at least I, I've got that. At least I know, um, I know they weren't a waste of my time, but they were, they were a lot of fun. And, and you never know, maybe with, uh, you know, shrinking resources, maybe our masks will shrink also. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll, then I'll be, then I'll be hailed as a genius and, you know, <laughs> and yeah, the forefront of, of a van, you know, vanguard of a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of a of some movement or something so. it'll pop up in an auction someday later yeah exactly you know <laughs> be some crazy amount of money that's like they'll sell for half of what i sold them for <laughs> no <laughs> uh, but other than that, but yeah, that was, I'm glad I did those. Actually, I have an entire second set of those sculpted, and I just haven't molded them. So who knows? Maybe one day I'll get get off my you know tokus and and do those and and get uh, yeah you know and uh, maybe I'll be able to sell one more. Set. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are super cool, man. Oh, I, I actually was surprised that they haven't. <laughs> I'm glad I did them because I just wanted to challenge myself to see how small you could make them. Because somebody, I mean, there is somebody making, I think they're maybe double the size of the ones that that I'm making, Mm -hmm. but they're really very tiny masks. And, and, and I think I, and I didn't find out about his until after I'd already started mine. And I, and I kind of thought, well, is it really worth me doing mine? And I, well, well, I mean, just because these are so tiny, I kind of want to see how they look when they're done. Um, and, uh, you know, as a novelty item, yeah. they they definitely have some value. You know, they're not like you know. But if you're like a, a if you're a, a mass collector and you're like a completionist and you just have some little <laughs> nooks and crannies to fill, you know that space looks a little bare, but it's not a big enough for a, a regular mask. <laughs> right. You know, mine 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 are perfect for that. You know, you can fit. You know, yeah. So. They're super cool because the paint jobs. Yeah. I I just think the paint jobs are amazing. On yeah, them. They're, they're, they're really kind of yeah, they're really kind of retro looking. You know, super. But uh, yeah, but the second set, uh, if I ever get them done, I've got like one. I've got a little like Lee Van Cleef one that I. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, like you know, I thought it'd be kind of fun to do do something like that. Well, you know, the marksman or the sh- you know, you know the <laughs> gunslinger or something. So Lee Van Cleef next is Chuck Sabata. Connors, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I did Chuck Norris also. <laughs> I did a whole series of them, you know. <laughs> oh man! So Nick, anything else you want to touch on? Well, um, we can. Why don't we talk about a little bit um, about our time on the Blob? I mean, a lot of people okay. ask me a lot of questions about that film, and what's nice about it is, is like although we both are involved in creature effects on it, we were in different sides of it, mm. which is kind of cool. Yeah. And that's you know, it, it's sometimes it's hard to explain to people, but I think that they understand that the creature shop was like a, its own entity and you guys were doing one thing and then you would send stuff up to where we were also. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I was, was up at, uh, up at, uh, Oh God, what was that? What was the name of it? Um, we have a, we have a dream quest or yeah, dream quest. Yeah. Yeah. So, I remember, you know, yeah. yeah. And when, when I had actually initially come to the creature shop, uh, to talk to, um, to talk to you guys and, uh, you guys were pretty, Pretty crewed up, but I do remember. Uh, I think it was you and uh, maybe Brian Wade that you know had said that they would, you know, that I might be benefited by going up to Dream Quest, and that's how oh, I sure. got on the show. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it really was. Uh, I mean, so many people. I mean, that was a period too. I mean, that show and, and the previous show I worked on Arena um, hmm. were just had needed so many people. You literally could be a, a just know nothing walking off the street said i'm looking for a job and get hired right I mean, people were just like it was it was they were know, hiring so was, wild wranglers like like just right off the street literally oh i remember yeah it's like yeah. you know people uh just i mean i mean thank goodness some of us knew what we were doing um <laughs> but i yeah, i just remember those days of uh um, going in, I mean, I mean, there's nothing like make, making a 35 gallon drum of slime, which is, <laughs> you know, which is which is kind of cool in some ways. I mean, but <laughs> you know, putting in a little ammonium hydroxide into your uh, into your uh, your your water and uh, and methicel mix, and then all of a sudden it gels, and you're like, oh wow, cool. It's like. You know, <laughs> Um, and then fill, oh my God, and filling those little sacks with, uh, oh, with, a, yeah. with an, a little, a little syringe and, yep. and, you know, it's sli- a slimy syringe, like injecting silk sacks. That's, that's what the blob wranglers did. Oh yeah. my God. We hired so, so many blob wranglers. Yeah. Just sit here and fill these sacks with this goo. Yeah. Cause, because <laughs> you guys, the rest of us, the rest of us didn't want to do it. The, those of us who got tasked with it, like, like no, right. we're not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> They're more important things for us to do than this. Yeah, and, that's, that's um, exactly I remember right. I just going, I mean, getting, I mean, for, I don't know, three weeks or so, I mean, driving from, I lived in Glendale's and drove to Hollywood and I'd mm-hmm. work in Hollywood for a few hours. And then I'd drive to Valencia and work mm-hmm. for a few hours. Then I'd drive to Dream Quest out in Simi Valley and Simi I'd work Valley, the rest yeah. of the day there. And that was, that was my day, for, my days for like three weeks. And, and, and I, the day that, Lance Anderson called me and said, I, I've got to license to kill. You want to come to work on that? I went, I said, yes. <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> anything to get me out of this. <laughs> I gave, yeah, I gave, I gave him a two week notice on the blob. And then I uh, got a, I got a standing ovation when I, uh, when I left, they, uh, they, everybody <laughs> applauded me as I was um, off to a new and more, and more sane job. It was, it was, it was, you know, it was interesting because I mean, it felt like there were times though, we were just getting nothing done because they were trying to reinvent the wheel constantly. I mean, really, it wasn't, oh, I know. I know. you know, um, and they'd want to come up with solutions for things that you would come up with sort of an idea for, but they, then they wouldn't want to develop that, but well, they would do all kinds of other remember. crazy did, things. Did you, did you ever have any interface time with Chuck? Oh, sure. Yeah. Chuck okay. was, uh, so yeah, Chuck was kind of, in my opinion, Chuck was kind of a stopping point and caused a lot of that. So yeah, well, he was like, I think he had Tourette. <laughs> syndrome. I mean, <laughs> he, uh, I mean, he, 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 they, he pulled me aside to do, uh, the scene where Ricky Paul Golden gets, gets blobbed and, and he's in the car with the girl and, yeah. and he goes Erica, to feel her yeah. up and yeah. And, yeah. and then he gets, he, he gets in the kisser with five gallons of, of blob. <laughs> and, uh, 
So I got tasked with doing that for the test, and they just had me outside lying. <laughs> they had a couple of uh, ladders set up and me and a board, and me lying on the board. And they, they go, all right, three, two, one, and they dump like this five-gallon bucket of, of yeah. slime on me. And the minute, first thing I do is I start laughing. Well, Chuck got in my face and started screaming at me like, yep, that's you're supposed to be scared. You're like, this is a blob. It's going to eat you. You're supposed to be screaming. <laughs> you know, oh, my God. And then, he goes, and then he just goes, clean them up and do it again. So I had to, <laughs> had to go through the whole thing the second time and this time be like, ah, you know, scared. And and uh, that satisfied him. But I remember we were you, were you at that, that, that uh, test screening at uh, at deluxe uh, student or deluxe uh, labs, um, the night that Chuck was told that they didn't have the soundtrack for the film inserted. No, no. I Were wasn't. you there, Nick? Yeah, no. we, yeah, they got they got us all. They got a bunch of us together from the shop and took us over there. We all went over to deluxe labs to see like this like partial cut of the film, <laughs> and, and it, was, it was pretty much the entire film with a lot of slugs missing. But 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 I mean, and Chuck was really animated, really happy about things. He talks about like how the music. We're gonna start get the music in and this and that. <laughs> Like in the and I'm in the back, sitting next to the woman who's operating the the control panel. She goes, she like with uh, she's on the intercom, like uh, like the loudspeaker. Uh, Chuck, uh, do you remember uh, those changes that you uh, asked for? And we told you that we probably wouldn't be able to add the soundtrack if you oh, shit. if we if you made us make those changes and we made <laughs> those changes for you. And now we don't. And he like kind of like, oh my god, he just kind of started like you know oh well you know we're gonna, hey you know we're not gonna have music for now oh, god damn it it's like oh we're gonna like you know everyone can start humming the music and ah shit you know and it was like and, <laughs> and uh oh my god and we all sat there <laughs> and watched him go through this meltdown <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh my God. You know, and uh, uh, I mean, honestly, I think the guy's really talented. I really like the films that he's done. You know? Oh yeah, uh, for sure. I like a lot of the films that he's that he's done. And and uh, but but so you'll see yeah. you'll see as we as we do shows together, you'll see people are going to ask you questions about working with him because you know <laughs> he does he does make a good film, but he is not an easy man to work for. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they'll they'll always get a consistent story from me then. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I got I got yelled at. Everybody got yelled were at. You, so, I can't yeah. remember. Were you there when we did the phone booth? We did the phone booth. I was there. I was there in the lab when the, the setting okay. up of the stuff, but not not on set for okay. for that actual gag. Um, how about I was the, around. Uh, how about the kitchen when we pulled it out of the sink when it came out of the sink? I, me, and Andy Workman built that sink, but not yeah. again. Not on the set. We were like sort of like oh, that okay. was when yeah. And I and that's I interesting. Uh, yeah. They put they put they put me to work there too. Maybe that was the tie-in was they knew I yeah. was up there, so they yeah. put me involved in that with the gate, yeah. the gate valve. Mm -hmm. So they pull the gate valve and it just pops right out of the sink. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, we. I mean, I just remember kind of going, oh, "What am I doing here?" As I got into to yeah. make monsters, not not be a plumber, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I'm not a plumber. I'm making monsters. <laughs> exactly. It's like, um, other than that, um, I mean, we, uh, I mean, those just some, I mean, just the longest days. And I remember like the fires, yeah. the, uh, the, the hot melt fires that would like clear okay. out the shop and, and you'd have like, I mean, you'd have like 50 people suddenly spill out on the Hollywood Boulevard and we'd have like, <laughs> We'd have to be out of there for like three hours, so we didn't. Oh God, have, that stuff you know, awful. It'd kill you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just I mean, we and it was it's great for us though because I mean, we still have to go back to work, but we're all younger then, anyways. We're all younger and more enthusiastic. We didn't care about like the hours we did at that time, but we no. uh, but we wandered around Hollywood Boulevard, going to all the, the you know the bookstores and the going to get something to eat, or so it was kind of an interesting, <laughs> you know, very interesting uh, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed. Yeah, that. that was definitely a, an interesting film to work on, and yeah. I got paid very well on it, so I was very happy. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like you know working for guys like Lyle, and then eventually Stuart Ziff, 
who came in to yeah. replace Lyle. I remember um, Stuart. And seeing Tony Gardner's stuff there. And, and uh, that's where I met Brian Wade. I remember um, Tony Ruprecht and I were in behind uh, in the car. We were in the back seat puppeteering those tentacles that pop yeah. out of Alaric NEX dummy during yeah. that scene. And then and, and remember Brian Wade and Tony being there for their for the that publicity shot of them working on the dummy and and all i can think is what tony and i are like right in that back back right behind them you can't even see us but we were there you know yeah um um but yeah somehow guys like us got a lot of missed opportunities for 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 shots like that oh yeah but we're lucky pictures are another rarity in our in our time in the business is oh i oh i did a show a few years ago i didn't want to take one photo of me on set i wasn't like didn't want to be an asshole or anything but i just really kind of i I just really didn't want to i wanted to concentrate on the work and not be like the focus of any attention or anything like that so they put everything you know they have the photos on their website of everybody on it so they snuck a photo of me getting coffee off the craft service tape (laughs) 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 that's the only thing way they could get a shot of me um yeah but i mean that's like i mean i look back i mean it's it is part and parcel of what we do that you know you get some of the glory for it because of the stuff that we did um and it's fun to be able to tell people about it and maybe inspire some people to to carry on what we did um but i mean, I got in it just to be part of it um yeah. i didn't never really think that i would be a trendsetter or any like uh make any waves or anything like that but i got probably a little further than i expected i mean mm-hmm. doing doing those puppet master films and stuff that kind of cements you in some people's eyes as being you know right up there with ray harryhausen or oh it absolutely uh, you know anybody else but uh um that's when you get to tell them well i did you know stank mouth you know and ginger dead man i did the ginger dead man i did evil bong you know even people like tell me that they just did i mean they they love those evil bong movies absolutely and and i now kind of roll my eyes and i and i get a you know it makes me realize when i was a kid and i was hitting up dennis muren and dave allen and mark mcgee i remember mark mcgee like i mean that's the first day we meet he's like i'm showing these photos like eight by ten stills from equinox i found at the uh, the bookstore that we were at and he goes equinox equinox like what is it about equinox i was like with all the good films out there you know why equinox and then he like pulls up this <laughs> eight by ten of Pam Greer in my face and goes, this is what you should be paying attention to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, but it really was like, you know, um, those films are sort of your gateways too. And, and, uh, and you can't help, but, but be drawn to, you know, some of the some of the uh the cheesier films of the lot um and then hopefully along the way you you find out what a good film is too and you get into those and and yeah. you um you know just get inspired i mean that's that's really what it's about i mean you have to be kind of crazy to do this business but yeah. but you have to be kind of inspired also to do it so very true and i'll say like uh i get asked this a lot too and you'll you'll find that uh i think as you interact more with with your fan base and and people that know what you've worked on in your body of work is you'll get asked a lot uh what was it like but i i tend to you know there was so much work at that time there was so many films being made it was like you know we were just grabbing work where we could get it you know we're still we're guys that are loving what we're doing and we want to keep working so it was like you know we were on the phone just before our uh, show would end and trying to get on the next thing and the next thing or you just get a phone call or somebody would just call you and say hey i've got a show and and yeah and uh Hey, why don't you come on over or, uh, you know, that's, I mean, sometimes it's as simple as that. I mean, I remember that silent night, deadly night five job, the all nighter. <laughs> and just, I mean, in, in the middle of the night, Ted's, I mean, Leibach playing, you know, like uh, <laughs> life is life. And, and we're just like Ted Smith and I are like in the middle of the shop, like screaming life is life. And, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and just like, and, and just people, I mean, just, I mean, what an experience that was, I mean, to be young and, 
and free in that way and and working on these films that you know, i mean little do we know a few hours later we'd find ourselves in the presence of uh, mickey rooney telling dirty stories so <laughs> you know um um but uh what a you know what a what a life that is you know and, and just very lucky to have these experiences um and and uh that's what you you know and then you hear from people um who have the same experiences also i been talking to a guy who worked on Galaxy of Terror, a guy named Ron Lazorti, and he's wow. been telling me some of his his stories. And it's like, wow, you know, relate to all of those, um, the people that came before us and the people that come after us, you know, we'll, we'll all have those um, experiences. And and it all comes from just a simple love of, of something and, uh, uh, and being you know fearless enough to to just give it a try um absolutely yeah absolutely yeah that was a it was a good time and you know mm-hmm. we we were really fortunate to work on a lot of the things we worked on oh yeah saw some fun it's, stuff it's kinda, too. It's, yeah it's kind of like kind of like kids in a sandbox being given everything yeah. they ever wanted right oh, in yeah. front of them. And we were like younger than i think we we're younger than we should have been doing that stuff <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, this is sort of stuff like when we were kids, all the guys looked like they were like, you know, in their 60s doing this yeah. stuff. And here we are suddenly in our 20s, yeah. you know, like, you know, rock and roll and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, everything was punk rock. And and uh, um, and we were, you know, fueled on coffee and jolt cola and, and coffee, uh, cigarettes, and, jolt cola and yeah. who knows what else. <laughs> yeah. Everything else in between, you know, I mean, you know, and that's just it. You know, hear the, you know, and. And uh, and now um, <laughs> and now we look back and 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 some of us are some of us have passed on and and yeah and we get to you know we're the guys kind of still there uh, recounting the stories and hopefully recounting their stories also. Well, I'm really glad that you got to join us, Jeff, because um, you and I have history together and yeah. and you know, I'm glad we, to we were we were doing all of this at the same time. Yeah, you know, even though we weren't on every film together, it was nice to have a parallel with you oh for sure absolutely i'm i'm just glad that we're still in touch and and how this all you know works out you know where you you find out you actually still have friends in the industry (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's like, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really one of those, uh, things where, you know, was, every time we got a chance to work together was, was a memorable experience. And my yeah. time working for Screaming Mad George was a memorable experience. Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so glad we got to do those things though. Yeah. So. They were, it was really fun. And, yeah. and we did a lot of crazy things. <laughs> Those things you'll have to pay to hear, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for letting me uh, record your stories, Jeff. It was a pleasure to hear them. And uh, thank you for coming on. Of course, TJ. Thank you very much. And Nick, it's really, really great chatting with you. And and, uh, we will see each other at some point soon. Yes. Absolutely, my friend. Yeah. So that concludes this episode of Hypodermic, the pod that sticks you deep. I am TJ Bowser. See you next time. 